Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. This is episode 89 of the show, our triumphant return to Premier League previews and recaps, um, which has been the meat and potatoes of our show for roughly the past year. Um, today, we will be previewing week one, match day one, whatever you want to call it, uh, of 38 of the Premier League 2021-2022 season. Uh, I know I am so excited to be back, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt, who I'm sure is equally as excited, if not more excited, to be back. What's going on? Awesome, dude. Um, Like I was telling you yesterday, and Bray and them, I'm on like five-day break from work, so it's a good, it's the perfect time to have this break for the start of the season. I know mm-hmm. today's the UEFA Super Cup, so we get to see Chelsea in action. Yep. Um, it's going to be their first competitive match of the season. Obviously, they've had a bunch of friendlies. I know they did the Mines ter- little mini tournament with Arsenal and Tottenham, and those went well for us, drawing a win um, and other friendlies like that. But got to see players perform, see how the system's going to work. And now with Lukaku all but in in the club it's set to be an interesting year i'm interested to see how timo and him work together or if he goes with havertz but i know verner's come out and said that he works well with a bigger man up front to play alongside so not as much pressure on him i think he's he'll do a lot better with not as much pressure on his shoulders but overall i'm really excited um like you said this is we're back with the premier league and i think this is going to be our first uh, full season exclusively talking about it. I know like last year about this time we were still uh, Trevor was on board and we were do- doing a bunch of other stuff too but um, I have our records from the Pick'em last year I think we started around match day 15 so we're going to get a full year um, seeing how our picks are probably will be the same. Um, just a reminder for everybody I went 97 and 120 uh, and Evan did a lot better. He did 104 and 113 so just a little bit under 50% there, but hopefully we'll do a lot better now that we have a full year of um, games to look at. That's crazy to think about the, the full numbers. Like That's a lot of games that we predicted. We did, we did so much analysis. It looks like your camera just... Oh, you're back. Um, we did... <laughs> that's roughly 200, um, 200 games of preview. And then, or, I mean, some of our analysis, like in in terms of recapping games, went so long. I, I'm looking like down the line. I'll be really interested to go back and just listen, like in seasons, because I mean, I don't, I don't plan on stopping doing this anytime soon. It's like, nah. it's like food for the soul. I like doing it, um, and it's cool to just recap every week, kind of sit down and talk. It's like you know what people would do, um, you know going to a bar and sitting and talking about the whole week's past games. So it's kind of, it's, it's, I'm so excited for it to be back. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited to have another season in the books. Um, and I think with all that said, we're, we're pretty much ready to jump in. I would imagine this would kind of be a short episode. We're not going to have any recapping to do because this is week one. It's just going to be previewing. Um, so before we get into it, this episode will be on YouTube as long as we don't have any camera failures. Um, so if you guys are listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcast, and you want to go over to our YouTube at Post20Pod and, and check out the video portion of the show, um, you're welcome to jump over there now. If you'd like to continue listening on 
um, whatever podcast provider you're listening to it on currently, then that's cool. You're welcome to stay there too. But I just wanted to put the option out there. I got a new camera, so um, I mean, we should be back in action as long as we don't have any <laughs> hiccups, which I'm really hoping we don't have. Um, all right. Week one, first game, my beloved Arsenal. I'm wearing the kit. I'm wearing my hat. I'm feeling it today. Um, we take on Brentford, August 13th, my girlfriend's birthday at 3 p.m. I think she's working, so I should be able to get to watch it. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see Arsenal's new signings in play. I'm so excited to see returning players. And, you know, I'm really what I'm looking forward to is having Aubameyang hopefully back at full strength, firing on all cylinders. Last season, we know, was. One of his worst seasons statistically um, in a very long time, probably since um, the early days with Dortmund where he was injured. I mean, I, I haven't just just watching last season. I had no faith in the man. It was it was so, so brutal. Um, and I think this is one of those years where he's going to get back on track. I'm hoping at least because I think we're going to lose um, Lacazette. Uh, this game, <clears throat> afternoon game, leading us off. Same thing as last year. Arsenal had the first match against Fulham. It opened uh, opened the season. And I'm, I'm going to take Arsenal straight up here. We talked yesterday um, on the golf course. We heard that, or you told me, that um, Ivan Tony may not have been starting this game. So I don't know if you have any further um, info on that. But um, you're, you're welcome to, to cut in. Yeah, they're just saying it might be a slight, slight issue. He got he got subbed off in their latest friendly, and I think he'll be able he'll be able to come on as a sub. But they're not sure about his overall fitness. Um, that's that goes for a lot of the guys in all these games. Um, a lot of key players might not be able to go the full ninety minutes. We might see little short appearances or uh, a full half. We don't know yet. But um, that being the case, Tooney scored thirty one goals for the club last season for Brentford and. Every single year, he scores more and more as he climbs the English tier ladder. So that's good to see. I mean, back in the day, he used to play for Newcastle. Uh, never got a shout there and got out on a lot of loans and has climbed his way back up. So losing a guy like him is massive, and I think that's really going to affect how Brentford play. Um, they have made some key signatures in areas. We talked about the center back signing from Celtic and the box-to-box midi from Michelin. Um, the latest signing they got is a left winger from uh, Liga, uh, Laurent, um, eleven mil there. So they're they're not they're not splashing a lot of cash on any big name signings. These guys are all low profile, under the radar guys, and you never know. And I've heard things from watching videos the past week and interviews that Brentford's a pretty picky club when it comes to their players, and they do business the right way. And they have, they're they're kind of how Leeds are. People are saying where they know how they play, and they're not going to change the system. So. And I think Arsenal's a really good test for them because it's a well-established club with a lot of uh, with a big reputation. And I think that's a big challenge for them week one, and um, I think it's going to be a really nice matchup for them. And Arsenal do have their own injury issues as well. Uh, Gabriel's going to be out mm-hmm. and holding, so apparently going to be a game time decision. And party, so, no party. Yeah, as well as him and uh, Eddie and Ketia. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be a, a handful of guys, as always, that are injured, but. You never want to see them at the start of the year. You love to go into the season full strength. 
but uh, that's a good sign for Ben White. Ben White's going to definitely get a debut start. Mm-hmm. Uh, start of the season, it'll probably be him in either Mary or um, Callum Chambers, one or the other. But um, I think the best sign for them is their fullbacks are healthy, Tierney and Bellerin. I think that's good start out because those guys are key to how you guys play. Um, with Partey out, it's probably going to be Elneny and Xhaka. We may see Sambi come on as a um, as a sub. Um, I think a couple of days ago, Joe Willock officially moved to Newcastle. He did. Unfortunately, we got rid of them. Yeah, Arteta never saw anything in him for his full long-term plans, which is unfortunate, but I think Willock will get a lot more playing time in Newcastle, obviously. Um, he was their number one target this summer and has been their first signing, uh, so Newcastle really got to pick it up. But going forward, like you said, you got uh, a lot of options there with Aubameyang, Saka, Pepe, Lacazette. Um, I think William, if William plays, you're really going to need a lot more out of him because he was a ghost most of the time last season. He'd show up for a week or two and then disappear for three months. And with what he did at Chelsea coming to Arsenal and performing how he did is very poor for on him. But I think you guys have a lot of options and firepower. and I think it's going to be a great opening week. And I'll just give you my pick now, but I'm going to go with Arsenal here. I think I'm going to play it safe. Okay. If you want to call it that, I don't think Brentford's going to have enough to mark up Aubameyang. We'll see how Saka's fitness is after the summer uh, Euros, but I think he'll be healthy enough to provide a lot of play. And we haven't even mentioned um, Emil Smith-Rowe. We'll see what his role is, how involved he is, but I think Saka and him are, are pillars to that team going forward. Yeah, I, um, I'm thinking similarly. I'm going to take Arsenal as well. I have a couple of insights here that I wanted to bring up before we move on to the next match. This is the first league meeting between Brentford and Arsenal since May of 1947. Um, Arsenal won 1-0 at Griffin Park. Arsenal have won just one of their six visits to Brentford in all competitions with one draw, four losses, um, and that one win that I just mentioned previously. This will be the first such meeting since May of 1947. So that is a very long time. We're looking at about 70 years on that. Um, so who knows? I mean, this could go this could go sideways. <laughs> I have no I have no idea what to expect. Um, haven't seen enough of Brentford to, to, to give a definitive statement on, on how they'll come out and play. Um, and even just moving up to the Premier League, you know, tempo changes. Um, and, and that could be, that could be the deciding factor, even if Arsenal don't play well, um, and, and they just get a touch more out of their, their side, um, that could be the difference, but I'm going to be confident. I think Arsenal actually have a very sharp showing here, just like they did, um, at Craven Cottage with that three nil win, uh, at the very beginning of last season, I think it's going to be a three nil win here. Um, I know we're not predicting score lines, but I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, Arsenal win, mark that down for both of us. And yeah. we will move on to, I mean, an absolute banger. This is going to be fantastic. I cannot believe that the first game on Saturday morning, which I'll actually be able to watch because I don't have to go into work till 11, um, will be Manchester United versus Leeds United, an age-old rivalry. Um, Manchester United and Leeds United are set to face in their opening top flight league matches of the season for the first time since 70 to 71 Leeds won that game 1-0 at Old Trafford. Um, and, and another thing to take into consideration here before we break some of the more finer things down, um, Leeds are winless in their last 16 league visits to Old Trafford, um, against United. So that's six draws and 10 losses. Last time they won was uh, February 1981. Wow. That's quite 
That's that's quite a long time ago. Uh, last season, the last time we saw them meet, they lost six two at Old Trafford, so they got slaughtered. Um, but in the reverse fixture, it was a nil nil draw. It yes. played similarly. United had a lot in both games. United controlled the ball very well, mm-hmm. but Leeds are a very high press team, and at times, like in the six two match, they can get caught out very well. But if they play their cards right, um, they can easily nick a one nil win here. But both both sides are having injury problems. Leeds more defensively. Um, their new signing Furpo uh, might have a little bit of a issue here. But Bielsa is a manager that doesn't really release a lot of information to the press, which I respect. Um, not giving them too much details. It kind of gives a mental warfare aspect to the game uh, with how Man U sets up if they don't know he's going to play. But he's a very influential left back out there replacing Elioski. Um, also, Diego Laurent, another center back for them, is probably going to be out as well. But other than that, all their attacking players, uh, Calvin Phillips in the middle, Dallas, they're all ready to go. Um, they had a weird preseason, um, a lot of a lot of ups and downs. They conceded a lot, as I thought they would, playing how they do. But they also uh, scored a lot. Banford looked great. Uh, Rafinha as well. Uh, Click nabbed one or two goals. So uh, it's going to be pretty much like last season. I'm expecting how they it's going to go. I had predicted them finishing 10th, and I think that's the best they're going to get. But um, on the United side, they're dealing with a lot more issues than Leeds. Um, Dean Henderson's probably going to miss the start. He's dealing with COVID. He's recovering from that, so we don't have to deal. We don't have to decide who's going to play. It's going to be De Gea, uh, the highest-paid guy in the league. Um, Varane potentially not going to start either. He's in isolation um, from last week with COVID and still hasn't got his medical fully through, so he's probably not going to play. Uh, Alex Tellez as well. Uh, Rashford obviously with shoulder surgery. Lingard's out. Um, but we didn't think he was going to play anyway. He has COVID. And then uh, I think the most influential person out, uh, besides Ferran, is uh, Cavani. He's also out. Um, I think he's doing quarantine right now as well, coming back from the Copa America. So they're out with him. So we're going to have to figure out how their starting lineup's going to be up top with um, Sancho Greenwood. Uh, Martial might get a start up there. Yeah. And then, so it's probably going to be those three, if I had to guess. Greenwood and Sancho on opposite sides. You got Martial up front. Uh, with Bruno and Pogba in behind, but still, that's a very lethal attack. Regardless, their team is so, um, their squad depth is so good that uh, even having that many guys out, they'll they'll definitely have enough to get the result here. Um, I think United are going to come out strong. I think if they really want to challenge for the title this year, um, they're going to have to win at least seven out of their eight first games, and I think that's totally possible for them if, with the squad they have. Uh, definitely, once Varane comes in, they have the best defense on paper, in my opinion. I said that last week, but it's going to be a very interesting match. I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Leeds uh, pull off an upset here because that's what they did last year. They got results against all top six uh, established teams in the Prem last year, so they they aren't um, unknown to pull off a, an upset here. Yeah. So <clears throat> the way that I'm looking at it is, I have my qualms with Leeds and whether or not they're going to be able to be the upset team like they were last year. Um, Sometimes we see clubs come up, overperform, and then maybe not underperform the next season, but at least come back down to earth a bit. I am worried about that for Leeds. They lost a couple of guys. Um, You know, nothing too crazy, but um, they did lose. Um, Alioski's gone. He was huge, I think, last season. Um, and I just think that the way that Leeds were able to play was all because of their emphasis and focus on the unit. It's not quite the same team as it was last season. However, 
Um, I do think that they'll they'll be solid. I think it just may take a couple of matches for them to get into that that same flow that they were in last season where they were able to string together a couple really solid results and always play spoiler to some of the bigger teams. United are also depleted. Um, Matt just listed all of those injuries. That's that's a hefty list. I mean, they're missing a lot of players. Um, well, they're not all injuries. Some of them are the quarantine and, and medicals not being done in, in Veron's case, um, which is fine. But I think that this season, United understand that if they want to win the league, they have to get started early. Um, the first, you know, 10 weeks for United last year, I had no confidence in them whatsoever. I mean, I was calling them frauds. I remember it vividly. I did it many times. I think I may have even titled an episode Manchester United are frauds. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel that way now. Um, I think United have made enough signings, done enough business and excelled and progressed as a team enough where I feel like they are a cohesive unit who could be challenging for the title. Um, I feel I real feel really confident in saying that now. Um, and I don't have a ton of worries for United. The one thing that that I do worry about um, is is Sancho and if he's going to be up to the task of starting week one and being there and being ready to to really have to contribute because if it's him, Greenwood and Martial, Sancho is going to have to contribute probably more so than he would if Cavani, a seasoned vet, was in there. Um, we don't see a ton of Martial, so who knows how he's going to play. He's one of those guys that I was worried maybe he'd be leaving. Um, so I, I definitely have some questions about United's week one lineup. Moving forward, I don't think I'll have as many of those questions. Um, with all that being said, I think United are in a better position to um, establish control in this game. And because of that, um, I think I'm going to go with a United win. It's fair. That's very fair. So two United wins for Matt and I. So far, we have the same picks. Um, moving on, we have Leicester City versus Wolves. Wolves, a uh, wholly new team at this point. I mean, without Nuno, who was really part of their club DNA for the past four seasons or so. Um, they're they're going to have to be contending um, in a different manner. They Leicester have lost just one of their last 24 home league games against Wolves. 14 wins, 9 draws. Um, they went down 4-1 in May 2007 in the championship. So that was 14 years ago is the last time um, they lost at home to Wolves. So that's quite some time. Leicester are definitely propped up to um, have a good showing against Wolves here. We just watched them win the... Um, Shield Community Shield, yep, against City. Uh, City wasn't necessarily at full strength, but um, Leicester wasn't necessarily at full strength either. They were playing kind of a hodgepodge back line, and they still were the team to come out and win uh, against City, who are a team of immense quality, whether they played their first team or not. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and I think that Leicester are, are poised here to have a really good performance against Wolves. I have quite a few Leicester players on my fantasy team. I am like backing Kalechi Anacho this season big time. I think he's going to have an unbelievable season. He had a really good second half last year, really broke out um, and kind of cemented himself as the guy that's going to have to replace Vardy when Vardy eventually loses his wheels. But I don't know. Vardy doesn't really show any any signs of stopping. Um, even though he had some injury uh, scares and woes last season, definitely spent some time on the bench. 
Um, he's 35 years old. He you is. That. He, he is 35, and I think it's just going to be one injury that sidelines him permanently. Um, but you know, after he came back from injury last season, it's not like he looked awful. I don't think that was. I don't think that was the thing that's going to put him um, out to pasture quite yet. Oh, yep. There goes my camera. It's gone. Um. So I'm going to turn this over to you while I try and fix this. Hold on. All right. Well, yeah, this matchup's always an interesting one. These guys have played eight matches overall in their history. Both have won twice, and the other four being draws. Uh, the latest one being nil-nil at Wolves. Um, but Leicester is a team that have really bulked up, specifically offensively, with the signings of uh, of Daka and uh, filling up the middle with Sumari, their main two guys. Um, their main problem this year are to start off is going to be injuries. I, I think I did predict that in our season predictions last week. Um, they're going to have to deal with a lot of injuries this year. And the back line's being really affected in the season hasn't even started. We, we saw Fafana break his leg and dislocate his ankle uh, in that friendly um, a, a week or two ago. So he'll be out for at least six to seven months. James Justin, another young fullback out. Johnny Evans is going to miss the first few weeks. Um, Castagna is one that's a game-time decision, but I think he was just waiting on a face mask that he's going to have to wear the rest of his career playing because he had a nose injury in the Euros. But other than that, going forward, they're very strong. There are rumors about James Madison potentially leaving Arsenal, but I think that rumor has been swirling around for the past three years. Arsenal are a team that are a club that just have to pull the trigger on a signing. Uh, they already did with Ben White, and I think one more key attacking signing will just... Uh, put that much more confidence in people backing them to finish in that top six area this year. Uh, and if they really can try and focus, uh, obviously they can on the Premier League. They don't have any Europa games or European games, I should say, that they can really push in for that top four finish in the in the league. But um, yeah, like Evan said, I think Iannaccio is going to have a breakout year here. Um, he has the backup of Daka from Salzburg, who was absolutely cracked and Vardy still in his prime. Well, I shouldn't say that he's 35, but he still shows good signs of going forward and he still is a threat for these guys. Um, but I think on the other side, Wolves, they finally have Jimenez back. He's played the full preseason. Uh, he has his head headgear on like how Czech used to. Uh, not as full as Czech's, but just around the front and back of his head, just protecting that fractured skull, which is always a it's always tough coming back from an injury like a serious injury, but a fractured skull is something really serious because it could affect your brain and you have no idea what could happen. You could turn into a, a vegetable uh, if you damage it even more. So it's a very scary thing, but I respect Jimenez for the, his love of the game and coming back and still playing in the best league in the world. So, and he's still in that starting lineup and he's not going to let his position go like that. But um, they are without Pedro Neto. Podence is a game-time decision as well for as Rafa. So they are missing a lot of their key guys from last season going forward. But um, Traore is always a threat going forward. Maybe not on the score sheet, but physically he is a threat. He oils his arms up so nobody could fucking grab him, even though he's still like 100 pounds more than every other person on that field. Uh, still same midfield with Neves and Moutinho. Those guys are going to be key in the middle. Creating going forward. There are more rumors about Neves leaving, but... It's looking like he's staying. He only scores screamers, and I definitely could see him score one here. But um, at the end of the day, I think I decided on this match specifically. I went with Leicester to win. Um, I think they're going to be able to get away with um, having so many guys out in the back. I think the signing of Ryan Bertrand was huge for them. Uh, he brings so much Premier League experience playing with Southampton for a long time. And before that, 
uh, won the Champions League with Chelsea in 2012. So he's a well, he's a vet of the league uh, of English football, and having him in that back line with so many guys out is huge for them. Uh, Sujin in the middle, Pereira on the other wing, uh, and Castagna in there as well. Great signing from Atalanta last season. So I think Leicester can get the job done. I think Wolves, with their new manager, are really going to have to figure out their system. It might take a few weeks. But I do think Brendan Rodgers, one of the best managers in this league, uh, is going to set his team up for success week one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same way. It turns out my camera literally just overheated and it's not turning back on. So that's quite a problem. Um, I told you guys earlier to go look at the video on YouTube. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no video on YouTube. So I lied to you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to figure that out after this. Uh, as for the game, Leicester City versus Wolves, I'm also backing Leicester City. I think that Brendan Rodgers and his side have been together for quite some time now and that they work together um, extraordinarily well. And it seems like whenever uh, a new signing comes in for Leicester or you have an injury and some of the bench guys are forced to play, that Rodgers gets the absolute best out of them. I think he's a top-class manager, um, like Matt said, one of the best in the Prem, easily. And I'm, I'm going to back Leicester here. I'd like to see five or six weeks of Wolves before I make a definitive statement on where they're going to place this season. Um, I truly have, I, I don't know how you feel, but I really just don't, I have no idea what to expect. It could be a decent season. They could finish 10th or they could finish 16th. Like there's, I really have no idea what to, what to believe. And I don't think Jimenez, who is their talisman, I think, um, I don't think he's going to be able to play at full strength. I just, I just don't, I think he's, it's going to, he's going to be in his own head. Um, that I don't mean that as a pun, but I think that the, the head injury thing, um, is something serious, and I think that it's really going to change the way he plays. You know, being a target man striker that uses his head a lot, that's that's a really big thing, and, and I just I don't know how he's going to perform. So for this one, I'm going to go with Leicester straight up. Yeah, a lot of their signings have been defensively. The only attacking guy they've brought in was Trent Cow from Barcelona on loan, so um, they're going to have to really deal with these injuries with with Neto and, um, and uh, Rafa, so and Podence as well. So they're going to have to really focus on uh, a certain strategy. I mean, Wolves has always been a team that love to whip the ball in for Jimenez to finish. I think with that headgear, it's only going to help him. I think he's really determined this year to bounce back and show that he still has it. I think he's got that personality and drive to really play through all this drama and just get through it. And I, I think, we'll, I mean, we both put Wolves, I think, 13th around that area. I think that's right around where they did last season. But it all depends on how we see they play, if see them play because. Like you said, with Nuno there for four to five seasons, even in the championship, um, when they came up, they played that three four three. We'll see if they play the same way. I think they definitely will. I don't. I think the play. It's really tough for a new manager to come in and such a short time and change the whole system and get it all done before week one and for it to really succeed. But uh, we'll, like you said, we're gonna have to wait the first five five six weeks to really have an idea of how they play. Yeah, that's the that's the truth. Okay, moving on. We have Matt's team, Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. In terms of insights, Chelsea have won 16 of the last 20 Premier League meetings with Crystal Palace. They have four losses, including each of the last seven in a row. So that's that's a that's an impressive stat. After winning back-to-back away league games against Chelsea in 15-16 and 16-7, uh, 17, Crystal Palace have lost their last four visits to Stamford Bridge by an aggregate score of 11-2. to So Palace have a tough time scoring at the bridge. Chelsea do not have a tough time scoring at the bridge. 
with that lethal lineup that I'm sure they're going to be putting out week one. Um, do we know if Lukaku will be ready to go week one? Probably not, right? They still. They, I don't think he'll be ready for week one. We'll have to wait until the Arsenal matchup next week. Okay. Um. So so no Lukaku, but we're gonna see a strong offensive showing regardless. We're gonna have Havertz. We're gonna have Werner. We're gonna have Ziyech. I would imagine. Um. I'm not sure if Ziyech will start, but we're gonna have a plenty of players going forward. Not necessarily worried about it. How could I fa- forget? Also gonna have Pulisic. So that's yeah. huge. Um. I just think that Chelsea are going to be able to overpower that Crystal Palace defense who are largely new. Um, yeah. You know, the, we saw the exit of some of their older players, and if they, ha- they haven't exited the club, then they're going to be moving to the bench. So um, Palace are going to really have <laughs> quite a test against Chelsea here. It's a tall task. Uh, new manager in Patrick Vieira, ex-MLS manager and an Arsenal legend. However, he's not tested um, his merit in the Premier League yet. So... I'm going to keep it relatively simple here. Um, The stats tell me Chelsea. My gut tells me Chelsea. And I'm going to go with Chelsea to win. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a 4-0 route. The past two two have been a 4-1 win and a 4-0 win last season. Uh, The bridge one being a 4-0 win. It's very... It's very simple, and I mean the um, what you call it. Palace are dealing with a lot of midfield injuries. Obviously, Eze's out until January. Uh, they're signed from Ready Reading. Olose is out. Uh, he's out until the international break in September. He has some uh, back issues, and Connor Gallagher can't play this match because he can't play against his parent club. So all three of those young guys in the middle are out. So they're gonna have to rely on the old guys, Ridwald, Milojevic, and MacArthur, who just do not fit, fit the uh, foot the bill against Jorginho, Conte, uh, Mount Kovacic in there. There's a lot more pace. Uh, their passing skills are a lot more better. And even if we have to get sucked in a little bit, our counterattack lethal with Werner up there. Havertz had a great preseason. Ziyech, I think, deserves a start in this match. He had an absolute crazy for his preseason. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Pulisic gets some minutes out there. Uh, maybe he potentially comes on at that wingback role if that fits the need. Uh, with James out there, I don't know. It'll be interesting. To, I'm really interested to see how they play today. Uh, hopefully, nobody gets injured against Villarreal. But uh, the most scary thing is Palace. We don't know how Zaha's going to play. He's the number one guy, uh, captain of the club. Um, he's always a tough task to mark out there, hanging on the left most of the time. So it'll be mainly uh, Rudiger and, or I should say, Aspi and James's jobs out there if they slide Rudiger over there. Um, to really deal with him, but only having to deal with one guy like that, I think, should be easy enough for us. Mendy and goal is an absolute beast. Um, we're still waiting on the Lukaku deal. Obviously, that's gonna the game changer right there to really push us for the title. And then as well, we still have to deal with this Kunde stuff. Um, we'll have to wait and see if Zuma goes the other way. But I think that's definitely gonna get through before the summer window closes. But um, it's def- this is definitely the most one-sided of all the games this week. I think Chelsea are the biggest favorites out of all the teams on the lines. I think they're like minus 450 or something. So, And I, I definitely don't think Vieira is ready for this. I think this is the worst-case scenario for him. Week one, obviously, City would be worse. But to really test out his his game plan and how they play against a team like this is really tough for him. And it's really going to put pressure on him to bounce back in the following weeks. Yeah, all right. Um, sounds good. We shall move on um, to Watford versus Aston Villa. A little bit of a uh, downgrade from some of the other um, matches that we've gone over so far. But Aston Villa should still be a solid 
team. This will be the first ever meeting between Watford and Aston Villa on the opening day of a league season. The Hornets, Watford, have won six of their previous ten home league games against Villa with three draws and a loss. The away side has won just two of 18 top-flight league meetings between Watford and Aston Villa. Uh, five draws, uh, 11 losses, both happening in the Premier League era. Watford uh, lost 1-0 to Aston Villa in 1990-2000, and Aston Villa lost 2-3 to Watford in 2015-16. So this is an, this is one of the most important stats. Watford have lost their opening league match in just one of the last 14 seasons with six draws and seven wins. Um, that is extremely that is extremely surprising to me. So I looked through some of these insights before we went over, before we started the pod, and that was one of the ones that I have like a big red star next to because that is extremely surprising to me. I can't believe that they've lost just one opening league match in the past 14 seasons. That's, yep. that's wild. For a team like Watford, who's very small and have bounced up and down, um, that's, that's fucking crazy. So Watford, one of the newly promoted teams... Um, are going to be looking to upset Aston Villa, who I would say are a team of much, much better, much more quality. I won't say better quality, but more quality. Um, Villa just lost their their boy. I mean, they just lost Jack Grealish, probably one of their most beloved players in history. Um, just an absolute rocket, a talisman. He stands for that club. And he's obviously gone now to Manchester City for a fee that settles to around 150 million USD. Um, so, just unbelievable. I mean, so 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 much money. And now Aston Villa are without their guy. They have to rely on some of their younger guys. Um, I guess the player of the season for me to watch for Villa is going to be Ollie Watkins again. We'll see if he can keep up the pace. Um, that he had last season. I think he finished with, what, 16 or 17 goals last year? Yeah, around that. It was very good for him. Yeah, so that's that's a ton of goals for, for a guy that, you know, kind of just is starting to make his way in the Premier League. And I think... Got him from, they got him from Brentford. Yeah, from Brentford. So mm-hmm. um, this game, I think, rests on the shoulders of uh, Ollie Watkins. Um, we're going to have to see if the Aston Villa defense is up to the task. I'm not going to have as much in-depth um, analysis on a team like Aston Villa because I don't get to see them play all that much. And really, it is the Jack Grillish show. It was last season. It was it was the Grillish and Watkins show last year. Um, but we'll have to see if, if, if it's the same way this season or if Villa flounder a little bit. Watford, I don't necessarily know how I feel about them. I don't think it's going to be anything fancy from them. They don't play fancy football. Don't expect that. Um, I don't expect that. You shouldn't expect that. But um, I think I'm confident enough to say that Villa are the stronger side here, certainly the more experienced side. Um, And I think that they walk away with this, uh, walk away with three points here. Yeah, this is going to be the first match that we differ. I have this ending in a draw here. I think Watford... Uh, out of the three teams that got promoted, conceded the least. Um, they have a strong back line in Cabaselli and Cathcart. Both have played in the Prem uh, a lot when they were up. Danny Rose, I think, is a nice signing for them. Uh, very big Premier League experience uh, at that left back row. I don't know if he'll start, but if he can give some information to all these other guys with how all these teams play, it would help them a lot. 
Um, Tom Cleverly is back in the Premier League. Uh, he'll probably be starting in there. Will Hughes, Chaloba, ex-Chelsea man. And, I mean, I think Watford are coming in with, like, the biggest squad uh, out of all the teams. On this depth chart I'm looking at here, they have about uh, 33 guys listed. Um, obviously, not all of them are going to be registered to play. But um, the attack force they have is pretty lethal with Josh King, Andre Gray, uh, Troy Deeney's experience, and then they have young guys like Ismaile Zar. Zhao mm-hmm. uh, Pedro is a young guy from Brazil we talked about. He popped off in the championship last season. So I think them going forward are always very dangerous, and at times teams can take them uh, for granted. And on the other side with Villa, uh, you did mention Ali Watkins, and I love that guy, but he is dealing with some muscle, muscle issues right now. He got taken off in their last friendly, so potentially he won't be playing. But they signed Danny Ings, Danny Ings is a great replacement. If you need somebody there, you know he can bag goals in the Premier League wherever he's been. Uh, maybe not Liverpool, but um, he's usually the pen taker, but apparently El Ghazi is their number one guy when taking pens, so when he's on the field, he'll take him. but if not, Ings is there to back him up. Uh, Buendia is potentially going to be out. Uh, he had a hip complaint in their latest match, uh, so potentially he might not play, which would, be, which would suck, uh, as well as Douglas Ruiz, who's potentially their best six-man uh, that hold a mid role. He played in the whole Olympics with Brazil, won the gold. Congrats to him. So, uh, a lot of key guys are going to be missing for them. Unlike their defense, it's going to be a normal defense. Uh, Emmy Martinez in goal, huge. Uh, probably top two goalies last season with Ederson. But um, I think they have a strong enough squad to really compete in this game. Their midfield might be lacking a little bit. Uh, but still, Leon Bailey, I'm really excited to see what he can offer to the Prem. He's been rumored to come to the league. Uh, for the past three to four years, a young Jamaican winger. Uh, so a lot of pressure on him. Obviously, I think Buendia is going to be their big guy this year. Uh, a lot to a lot to um, come with uh, from the championship, 15 goals, 15 assists. So, And having to really fill the shoes of Jack Grealish. I mean, it's not solely going to be on him. They signed three other guys, Ings, uh, Bailey. And their latest signing, they brought in uh, Twanzebe on loan from Man United. So we'll see how many minutes he gets competing with Konza and Mings. But at the end of the day, like you said, that stat's huge with Watford only losing one of the last 14 opening games in the season. And I think Aston Villa is going to have a slow start here. I think they have, out of all the teams, I think they have the biggest, uh, besides the top six or whatever, I think they have the biggest expectations with all this money coming in and all these huge signings. Uh, And after last year's finish, finishing uh, 10th, I think there's a lot of pressure on them to grow off that. So I think they're going to choke the first week, uh, Dean Smith and the boys. And I think it's going to end up draw. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that happening too. I was kind of going back and forth whether it was going to be a draw or if Villa were going to edge it, but it's good that we have some uh, some variety in our picks. And uh, with that, we will move on to the next game. This dude, this is like the mid Olympics. Everton are mid as fuck, and Southampton are mid as fuck. They have just the most mediocre histories, especially in recent years. I mean, these guys are just so average and i think this is just the definition of fucking just edge to edge bullshit losing the ball in the middle of the park nonsense match where i think it's gonna be a draw and somebody winds up getting some cheese bullshit goal and one of the team wins teams win and i just have zero clue which side it will be. I'm going to give you guys some insights and let it just mull over in my brain for another five to two yeah. to five minutes before I make a I decision. Hear this. 
Everton have lost just one of their 22 Premier League home games against Southampton. 15 wins and 6 draws. They remain unbeaten in their last 16 against them at Goodison Park since a 0-2 loss in November of 1997. Holy fuck, that's a long time ago. (laughs) Southampton have kept just one clean sheet in their last 9 league meetings with Everton. 3 wins, uh, 2 draws, and 4 losses, doing so in a 2-0 home victory last season. Everton haven't lost their opening match in any of the last nine Premier League campaigns with three wins and six draws since a 0-1 loss against QPR in 2011-2012. Oh, I remember that. Four of the Toffees' six draws on match day one since then have been 2-2. So, where I stand is this will be an Everton win or a draw. And I think I'm going to lean towards draw. I think having Rafa at the helm is a massive bump for Everton. But I think that it's going to take some serious time for the team to gel with the new coach. Um, They seem to take a real liking to Ancelotti last season. The club took a liking to him. The players took a liking to him, and the fans, most importantly, took a liking to him. He was their guy. They brought, he brought in James for them. You know, to have James Rodriguez, a player of immense quality in the past, at least at that point, um, playing for a side like Everton was, was just really special. And the performances that they put on in the first 10 weeks were very inspired. I mean, in September, it looked like Everton could be a team that were going to contend for the for the league title. They were absolutely unbelievable, unstoppable, locked down in the center of the park with Allen, unbelievable up top with DCL and Richarlison, and just, just really solid everywhere. James was great, provided a lot of creativity and really helped to lock down that upper upper offensive third. So Everton looked great last season, but I don't I don't have that same confidence um with Rafa at the helm. I think this is going to be one of those things where it takes time. You have two coaches now in two seasons. That's always that's always just a bad sign. Um I'm going to go with a draw here because I don't know what the team's going to look like. I think a lot of Everton's results this season are going to depend on the formation they play. And if we're going to see um, Moise Keane start to feature um, more often alongside, you know, maybe DCL. But they play Richarlison out on that wing occasionally. Sometimes they play him up top. So it's going to be kind of like a three-way battle, I think, between those three guys. And I know, you know, Everton Everton retained uh, Moise Keane instead of letting him move on to PSG for, I'm sure they would have paid for him. I mean, he was great for them last season. So yeah. I, I think it could be a real challenge. I think um, Rafa Benitez has some situations on his hand that he's got to map out first before Everton really kind of get into the flow of things. Uh, so I'm not confident enough in them to, to give them the win. I'm I'm saying this is going to be a draw. I'm seeing like 1-1 one, one maybe. Yeah, I originally had the draw as well, but I changed it mid um, while you were talking. Um, Everton have not made any big signings. They've only spent about two mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damari Gray coming in from Leverkusen, a lot of experience with Leicester. Townsend as well, another experienced winger. Uh, underrated and Begovic as a backup goalie, playing for numerous clubs in the Prem. So all these guys, Premier League proven. Um, this is Rafa's first time back in the Prem in a very long time, since uh, his time in Newcastle, uh, which was mediocre. And I think it'll be the same here at Everton. Everton's a tough club to manage. 
to really do anything special because uh, it's not not of a lot of allure uh, in Liverpool. Always overshadowed by the red side. But um, Southampton, on the other hand, since losing Danny Ings, have bulked up their attack a little more. Uh, they brought in Borja, a young guy from Chelsea, another youth guy going out on loan. Um, he was potentially going to play if we didn't sign Lukaku, but uh, money talks, so he gets loaned out. And they bring in their marquee signing of the season and Adam Armstrong from Blackburn uh, scored about 40 goals in the past two seasons in the championship. Uh, everybody wanted his signature around that mid-table level, but Southampton got the job done with that Ings money. And I think he's a major signing for them. He's a big game changer, really adds to the attack to support with uh, um, Redmond, a lot of experience there. And I think Tell is going to have a big year too, uh, playing alongside uh, Theo Walcott. We'll finally see him there uh, moving on from Everton. So they have a lot of experience going forward, and I think Everton, with a new manager um, like Rafa, is going to be tough to gel with. Um, they will be tough to break down. These matches between these two clubs are always very close. There's no breakout team. But I think the thing that's going to hold Everton back here is Nova Charleston. He's recovering from the Olympics after winning gold, and DCL is picking up a few knocks, so he's potentially may not be 100% for this game. So if, let's say, those two do not play, you're going to have... Damari Gray, uh, Townsend, Moise Keen, and James Rodriguez going forward. And I just don't think that's enough. I think it can be against Southampton, but I think with Adam, if Adam Armstrong plays, I think Southampton just have enough to get over the line here. Okay. And, they have a, and I think Hasselhoofel is... This is a big year for him because if they do anything similar to last season, I think he's getting the boot because Southampton is a big club on um, through their academy, uh, having a, a great base from the back. And if they struggle at the beginning of the year, I think he'll be top three managers, potentially get sacked. So, But I think they'll get a strong start here against a solid club, and I think Southampton get the one upset in week one for me. All right. Fair enough. Wow. I'm kind of surprised, but i like to see that. Um, moving on. We're in our last four games now. We have Burnley versus Brighton, two teams that have uh, just absolutely... Bur- they've burned... Brighton burn you, and Burnley burn me. It's it's very fitting. No, that, no pun. I know it's very fitting that they're named Burnley because holy fuck, all they do is destroy my bet slips. Burnley yeah. have won just one of their last seven home league games against Brighton. Four draws and two losses. Last time they won was a one uh one nil win um in December of twenty eighteen. Of the five hundred and seventeen Premier League fixtures to have been played at least eight times. Burnley against Brighton has the fifth lowest goals per game ratio with just 12 goals being scored in the eight meetings between the sides. That's one and a half per game. So the under is a mega lock here. Absolute heater bet right there. Under. After losing their opening fixture in each of their first three Premier League campaigns, Burnley have lost their first match in just one of their last four top flight seasons. One win, two, <clears throat> no, two wins, one draw. However, that loss did come against Leicester City last season. Brighton have lost their opening fixture in three of their four Premier League campaigns, beating Watford 3-0 in 2019-20 in the other. So, with all of those stats being out there, I am taking Brighton to win straight up. I don't think this will be a draw. I can't see there being more than three goals, more than two goals even. I think yeah. I think two goals is the absolute most that are going to be scored in this game. I think it's really just going to be one, and I think it's going to be Brighton just edging a cheeser right past 
right past Nick Pope. I'm not expecting a great game. I'm actually expecting this to be the sloppiest, most awful uh, game of, of the first week. Oh, and th- this is a Saturday game as well. So a ton of games on Saturday. Absolute yep. fuck ton. Um, and I, I just don't see, I don't see Burnley doing anything this season. Um, I think that, I think that the Seagulls edge Burnley here. And then, um, I don't really know what the rest of the season holds for them, but I'm, I'm on Brighton here. Yeah. I mean, both of these teams are right around that 17, 18 mark for us, both in reverse. I have Brighton going down. You have Burnley going down. So, I mean, and surprisingly, uh, I watched a lot of people's on YouTube's predictions, ESPN's predictions. A lot of people like Brighton to finish mid-table, and I, I can understand that to a certain degree with Graham Potter and that, but I looked, since they joined the Premier League in that 16-17 year, they have finished on nine wins every single season. They cannot break ten wins, or break past nine wins That's in the insane. I, I thought that was the most crazy stat I've seen so far, but they, they just cannot, they are a solid side, Brighton. Um, Potter's a good manager. They play a nice style, but they have not made enough signings to affirm to me that they are going to finish any better. I think Sanchez last year coming in, taking over from Matt Ryan was huge. I think that's great for him. Uh, Lewis Dunk staying, signing a long-term contract. Rumors about coming to Chelsea never happened, and it's turned out good for him. He scored five goals last season, one of the top scoring defenders. Um, they will be without Dan Brown, and Dan Byrne, I should say, and Lamptey's still out. I think he's out until the end of the month. So uh, very sad for him, uh, but we will see him back September. Uh, their biggest signing was Amwipu. Um, um, I don't know, another midfielder from Salzburg. Salzburg providing a lot of quality players um, from Jesse Marsh's team. Now he's with RB Leipzig, so big step up for the American manager. Good to see. They've kept Basuma so far. He was a great midfielder for them last year, box-to-box guy. Uh, with Amwipu, uh, Lalana in there as well, a lot of experience. Uh, March McAllister is another great guy for them in their Argentinian. They will be without Danny Welbeck. Unsurprisingly, he'll be out for probably six months out of the nine with injuries. Always. Um, another guy, uh, one guy I saw for them who may not play a lot, but preseason wise was very nice to watch. They have a guy from South Africa, Percy Tau. Uh, he absolutely diced up in a few preseason games I watched. He's very small. Uh, about five or six, very agile, quick guy. It was awesome to watch him play. So just another option for them going forward if Mupai's having anger issues or uh, Conley and Trissard can't provide. But um, I agree with you here. I think Brighton do get a 1-0 win. I originally thought the draw, but everybody's going to have the draw after what you said. Um, Burnley have no injuries to any main players. Chris Wood, their main talisman going forward, is huge. Um, I mean, We both know how these teams are going to play. They know how, they understand how they are. Uh, very structured in the back. A lot of crosses whipped into these guys. Maybe Brighton a little bit more tiki-taka than Burnley, but I just I just see a, a very close game, like you said. 1-0 going Brighton's way here to start off the year. But I do think Brighton will still go down. They just, don't, they just have not done enough in the transfer market, like Burnley, to really push out of that relegation battle talk. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. Matt and I are in um, agreement there with Burn or with Brighton. Next match: Norwich City versus Liverpool. A Jesus v- Christ! Very challenging first match for Norwich City, a newly promoted team. It's, well, it's a it's a five nil route to Liverpool. It doesn't matter. I don't care what the team is. You, just the history. If you look at these two teams' matchups in the past, 
it's always an absolute slaughter bread. <laughs> yeah. So, um, welcome to hell, North City. Welcome back. Uh, you get absolutely no time to get your ducks in a row. Uh, the first match, they're lining up against an absolute fucking firing squad, and every single person is shooting real bullets, not blanks. So, insights. This is the fourth time Norwich City will face Liverpool in their opening top-flight match of the season. That's tough. Winning none of the previous three. Two losses, one draw, including in their last Premier League season in 2019-20, to going down 4-1 at Anfield. So like Matt said, that was a five-goal game. Liverpool are unbeaten in their last 14 Premier League matches against Norwich with uh, 12 wins, two draws, netting 44 goals across those matches. That's 3.1 per game. That's a, that is a high number. In their 18 Premier League meetings with Norwich, Liverpool have scored 50 goals at an average of 2.8 per game. The only team to have a higher goals per game ratio against an, against an opponent in the competition, minimum 15 games, is Manchester United against Wigan Athletic. That's 50 in 16 games, which averages out to be 3.1 per game, just 0.3 um, higher than the Liverpool-Norwich ratio. So Norwich are winless in their first Premier League match of the season in each of their last eight attempts, the longest such ongoing winless run by a current team. I don't think that there's much <laughs> for us to say here besides we're both picking Liverpool. Uh, I know that I'm extremely confident in Liverpool. I don't have a ton of confidence in Norwich. They have some players, um, Timo Pukki being one of those guys, uh, that you know can give you something. However, they did get rid of their talisman in um, Emiliano Buendia, who was fantastic. He moved on to Villa, correct? Yes. So he's with Villa now. Um, they don't have that that sort of dynamic player out on the wing who's going to be able to give them pace. Um, and, and there's really just nobody that's going to be able to contend with this Liverpool back line who is now back at full strength. They introduced Konate, so he's in now. You have Joe Gomez, who should be healthy, if not at the very beginning of the season, a few weeks in. Um, I think he, I think he's back at full full strength. And then you have VVD, who is going to be starting uh, that first week. And then, of course, you have Trent and Robbo, who weren't fantastic last season, but I would say are still um, at least you know, in the top five center um, fullback pairings in the Prem. I don't think there's really going to be much con uh, contention around that statement. So Norwich are facing an absolute behemoth. And because of that, I don't even think Liverpool necessarily needs to play all that well. I just think they're going to come out on top. I don't know if it's going to be as much of a slaughter as we think, but I do think um, that Liverpool will at least win by a margin of two. Last time they played back in uh, February 2020 was a 1-0 win for Liverpool. And uh, back when Jurgen Klopp first took over, back in, I think, January 16, 2016, it was, like, one of the craziest Premier League matches. 5-4 win to Liverpool. Alana scored in, like, the 90th minute. I remember he ran over, held Klopp, everybody, and just lost his... I think his glasses broke. So one of the all-time great Prem moments. But um, for Norwich, they made another signing in Josh Sargent coming from Wender Bremen, another American in the league. Excited to see what his involvement is going to be this season. Um, Rashika, I think their biggest signing so far, the Kosovo guy from, um, I forget where they got him from. They also got him from uh, Vender Bremen. Um, 
he has COVID right now, so he's going to be out for this week. So that's a massive loss for them, as well as Todd Cantwell. He's dealing with an ankle injury, uh, so he might not be at full fitness to play the 490. So a lot of key guys out for them. Billy Gilmore, obviously, and there's going to play a massive role uh, as the six for them, trying to break up the play and also build up the attack through long-range passing. So uh, Max Aaron's in the back is going to be a great guy to watch right back. Could definitely see him move on to a bigger club and young Englishman. Uh, and like you said, uh, in goal, Tim Krul, uh Premier League vet, but at times can have a lot of uh, shaky moments. So, I mean, Liverpool, obviously, they don't have any injuries besides the biggest one is Andrew Robertson. Took a massive ankle injury in their last friendly. Uh, he's out until the international break, so he'll be out for the first three to four weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how they fill that in. They do have a Shemikis, some Greek guy they signed last season, uh, as well as uh, Nico Williams and them out there as well. So they're really going to have to fill that void. Not going to be the same. Uh, Robertson's delivery into the box and offset piece is a huge loss for them. Uh, front, their attack is always as lethal. Hasn't changed for the past three, four seasons. Uh, the involvement of Jota from the start is going to be huge. I know Evan's a huge fan of him. Yeah. Uh, so him coming off the bench or potentially even starting if Klopp seems that uh, that should be deemed fit for this matchup is always just as good as having the other three. But um, I think that where they're going to lose a lot of games this season is their midfield up until they fill in that Vinalum role. Tiago is not going to be consistent in there with his fitness. He's always going to get hurt. Uh, Henderson coming back, Fabinho both being more defensive-minded players. So they don't really have a driving force in that midfield besides maybe Oxlade-Chamberlain going forward. Evan knows him too well from Arsenal days. But mm-hmm. I think that's where the, the top four finish is going to be won or lost for them is their midfield. Uh, but the attack can always cover that up with scoring three to four a game. So uh, Liverpool in a route here. Uh, Norwich is really going to have to find their feet in the next coming matches. I think Norwich have the worst um, the worst first four matches of the year. Let me just double check their season. So they open up against Liverpool, then they play City next week, followed by Leicester, and then Arsenal. So we could see them having four straight losses and really being in a battle to recover from that. Um, so by far they have the worst matchup from the beginning of the year. So, um, that's why they're a strong, uh, favorite to get relegated. And I think that's, what's going to happen. It's tough for them, but Liverpool in a route for me. Okay. Sounds good. I think that's fair. Um, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people have a uh, Norwich in that game. Um, no. all right. We're just approaching an hour. We have two more games. Um, Newcastle versus West Ham is the second to last. This game Sunday, August 15th at 9 a.m. I am on the West Ham train still. Um, I'm not as confident as I was in them last season towards the end when I was betting on them every week because they were just fucking unstoppable. Um, Yeah, yeah, at the end they did. But um, there was that period where they were just unbelievable and Lingard looked like Ronaldinho and... I don't know. That was that was quite a strange thing. But it's gonna be tough to fill that void without him. It's it's gonna be a real challenge. And I think that Newcastle kind of had a hot end to their season where they were converting where they were converting matches that I just didn't expect them to convert. Joe Willick was was I would say the man with the plan and, and the man behind um those successes that managed to keep them up. Now, is he that same player? Um, that he was for them last season. I don't know. He wasn't getting a ton of chances there, like in terms of breaking into the side. He was coming on as a sub and still just 
outperforming everybody else on the pitch. And I think if he can actually even harness like 75, 80% of that clutch scoring that he had at the end of last season, um, that Newcastle are going to be poised to be a much better side than they've been in years past. Um, but I think West Ham are still a more complete side. They do have your boy Suchek. They have um, the likes of Jared Bowen. They have Yarmolenko. I mean, these guys have a ton of r- really solid players here. Mikel Antonio up top, who's great when he's not injured. You have Fabianski in goal. Then you have a, a ton of vets. You know, Mark Noble being the really, um, the really the one that really stands out to me. Uh, Declan Rice in the midfield. Cresswell in the back. And then, you know, some, some other solid-ish players, Craig Dawson um, being one of those players that I would um, consider to be solid-ish. I think that West Ham actually managed to get the, the win here. I'm going to give you a couple insights before um, I let you make your pick, but I'm um, with West Ham. This is the third time Newcastle United and West Ham have faced in their first Premier League matches of the season. Um, they did so in 2002-03 and also last season. Uh, they opened up against Newcastle, so that's interesting. The only such fixture uh, to be played more often in Premier League history is Newcastle versus Tottenham Hotspur, and that's four, four times uh, as the opener. So since they returned to the Premier League in 2017-18, to against no side have Newcastle United registered more league wins than West Ham, five level with Southampton, completing a double over the Hammers last season. So Newcastle beat West Ham twice last season. Newcastle beat West Ham in their opening Premier League match last season, winning 2-0 at London Stadium. The Magpies haven't won on match day one in consecutive Premier League seasons since beating Wigan Athletic in 06-07 and Bolton Wanderers in 07-08. So, Newcastle, are they poised to actually win here? I think they're probably going to be the underdog, and I'll be curious to see how you feel. Yeah, um... Newcastle under the year in the Prem, five wins out of their last eight. They got a draw against Liverpool, uh, and the other two being tough losses against Arsenal and City, which is expected. But they got big results there. Uh, West Ham ended the year very poorly, fall, fell out of the top four race, just like Leicester, and qualified for the Europa League. So that's really going to affect the squad and how they go forward. I think West Ham have the thinnest squad out of all the teams. Uh, they've only signed Areola as a backup goalie to Fabianski, or maybe they'll split uh, time in the Europa League. Um, and other than that, like you said, uh, Craig Dawson, they signed fully from Watford. So other than that, they haven't done any business. Uh, Mikel Antonio being the only true number nine on the team with his hamstring issues always being a problem. Um, I think this is going to be a huge year for Ben Rama in there. He's going to have to fill the void for uh Lingard not being there I think that was a huge mistake that they didn't uh, sign him on a full they do have the money for him um Bryce and Suchek huge in there very top quality holding mids um as well as Kufal those Czech boys being great signings um they will be involved in a lot of these games it's just going to be whether they bulk up their squad to compete in the Europa League for me and other league competitions but I do see Newcastle and West Ham ending in a draw here um, I think having Wilson and St. Max back for Newcastle is absolutely massive for them because those are their most creative guys going forward. Um, Aside from Almiron, he has his moments, but uh, their only loss so far uh, to start the year is Dubrovka, their starting goalie. He's going to be out until the end of the month. He has a big uh, foot issue right now that's holding him until September. Uh, so Darlow's going to have to be in there or potentially uh, Woodman. 
So they may have some goalie issues, but I think they are tactically good enough to compete against West Ham. Like you said, the la- they they pulled the double on them last year. So Steve Bruce does have a way to get it over, get one over David Moyes. And I think having Joe Willock in there is massive. That's a big confidence booster. Willock loves it up there. Uh, and he knows the system, so it's not going to take him very long to get recuperated with it. So I do think this game is going to be competitive. It might not be the cleanest, but it will end in a draw, in my opinion. All right. That's fair enough. I can see that happening as well. And with that, we move into our final game. One of the better games. Um, this this might be the this might be the best fixture. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think this might this this could be a pretty good one. Uh, we have Tottenham versus Manchester City. So I want to talk quickly um, about the fact that you know. Harry Kane may have been the player that was going to be starting for City against Tottenham uh, this week. Uh, you know, he, he he there was a point where he very well may have been that man. Um, now we we know that Harry Kane hasn't showed up to camp and he hasn't been practicing with the team. And it kind of looks like he's holding out. Doesn't look like he has any interest in playing. I think um, he's reporting to training tomorrow. That's what they're saying. Oh, okay. So that's wait, really? Tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. So he's so. he's gonna have. Nuno Nuno's has come out and said that he will be an option, but will most likely not start. So we probably won't see him in this match. Okay, so we're not going to see Kane. Um, that's really big. That's probably going to be the... It's not going to be the deciding factor for me, but it's definitely something to consider. Uh, City are still going to be without a couple of their guys. Just before you go, Just they're going to be out with KDB and Phil Foden, but yeah. they, they still do have lethal guys on the bench. Yeah, so we're probably going to see some Gundogan here. Gun to one action. Um, insights. Spurs have faced Manchester City in their opening top flight match of the season on three previous occasions, losing none of those matches. In 1990 91, uh, 1995 96, and 2010 20, to 2011. So one of them was a win. Tottenham won 3 1, and the other two were draws, a 1 1, and a 0 0. Manchester City have lost 15 away Premier League matches against Spurs, including in the last two seasons, losing 2 0 in both matches. They've only lost more away Premier League matches against Liverpool, 16, than they have against Spurs. Uh, City have lost their last three away games against Tottenham in all competitions. Against no side has manager Pep Guardiola lost four away games in a row in his managerial career. That's one that I have a star next to. Indeed, Guardiola's four away defeats to Tottenham is the joint most he suffered as a manager level with Chelsea and Liverpool. So, with that last part being said, I don't think that streak continues. I think City break it here. I think they're going to slaughter Tottenham, but I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. When I said good game earlier, I didn't necessarily mean competitive. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game to watch, partially because I just love watching Tottenham collapse and melt, um, and partially because I just really enjoy um, the style of football that City play. It's extremely hard to hate those players. I understand if you don't like the club. Um, you know, I don't love the club either. It's just an oil club. You know, it's just money. Um, no real serious culture. No connection to the city. Nothing like that. But the players themselves and Pep play just an absolutely wonderful style of football. They put on such a show every week, um, no matter who they're playing. And I think they they do that here. I think they're going to be ready to start their business. Um, ready to start the conquest for another league title. That'll be two in a row? Two in a row. 
two in a row it would be four out of the last five years they've won it yeah so that's that's quite something um uh city's gonna be out um gonna be without Foden and De Bruyne so that's that's big um but I don't think it's enough to to knock them down to the point where they're gonna be playing level with Tottenham um with no Kane I just I think City are the better side and I think they win pretty handily yeah, you have to remember uh, Nuno as the manager two seasons ago. He with Wolves, he did beat City tw- both times in that Premier League season uh, at the Etihad and also at Molyneux. So he is experienced going against Pep. He we will know he'll play his three four three probably. So the the guys will have to get used to that. Obviously, no Kane is massive. He's such a key figure in that squad uh, to help out Son. So Son's gonna have to do a lot of things on his own. Uh, be him, Lucas. And Bergwijn up front, they're saying that their new signing Gill might not start. He's so new to the squad and still having to get used used to the system and the country and the new culture. But potentially off the bench, he'll be there. Uh, and Dombele potentially won't play, as well as their new signing Christian Romero from Atlanta, uh, the new center back. So he's getting used to, as well like Gill, getting used to the culture. And also he's come back from a little injury from the Copa America with Argentina. But I do think it'll be close game here. Um, Man City always is going to have dominating possession, but Spurs are aren't too are not too unfamiliar with counterattacking this team. When they had Mourinho, uh, that was how they usually play, just counterattacked with Son, Kane, and they really broke forwards, broke forward, I should say. So uh, I can see Tottenham get a result here, but I do think City at the end of the day are going to get the win. Having no Harry Kane is massive, and I think that's going to affect how the team plays. So uh, probably City here, if I had to guess, two one. All right, cool. Yeah, I think that's two two one sounds good. I'm saying two one or three one, but I think there's going to be some goals in this game. Um, all right, with that, um, we are finito. Um, with week one of our Premier League predictions. God, that felt good to do. I cannot wait. Um, for next week where we will be recapping match day one, and previewing match day two. Um, for uh, forgive us for long slash short episodes while we kind of in the next couple weeks get ourselves accustomed to doing the recap um and previews again because it's hard to kind of cut it in half and make sure that that both sides of that um get enough time and not too much or too little but um we'll get back into the groove and uh thank you guys all for for bearing with us in that that short period of time where you know there was no premier league i know that a lot of a lot of our viewers kind of just listened um for those insights so i'm super excited um matt and i have some betting stuff i think that we're gonna try and implement here um in the next couple weeks we'll we'll have to have a conversation about that um but stay tuned we got a lot of things coming for you guys um next thing i have to do is fix this fucking camera so uh that's all i have to say i'll let matt plug things and uh we'll head out if you guys want to check out check us out on socials at post 20 pod instagram twitter catch us uh now that the season's starting there's going to be more content over there us our reactions to games uh commenting on different little things probably little memes here and there uh if you want to go listen to our our episodes our past episodes on other our other platforms spotify soundcloud apple podcasts post 20 podcast and like evan said at the beginning of the show if you guys want to check out our old videos uh vi- our, the visual of the video so you can watch us and how we're reacting to things uh on youtube post 20 pod uh, over there hit that red subscribe button click the notification bell so you're notified whenever a new video is uploaded or if we're live streaming hop in there chat with us 
get hopping on the banner um, and all that good stuff. Um, other than that, going to get ready for this Chelsea game, see these lineups, see what I want to bet. Uh, probably going to be the first thing I've, sports betting I've done in like five months since the NBA. So I'm going to have to get in tune with that. But other than that, thank you guys so much for watching. I uh, hope you're just as excited for the new season as we are. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. So thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. Yep. See you guys.